Hello and welcome to Making Me, where I speak with the writers of Make Me about the inspiration and experience behind the story. I'm creator of Make Me, Hayley Ricketson, and today I'm speaking with Mark Daniels, writer of Minority Fetish, episode one of Make Me. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here in the virtual world of Zoom. Yeah. (laughs) So with Make Me, I just wanted to have a chat about your episode and and how you responded to this this crazy little brief that Flugelman put together. Uh, So we originally kind of made it really broad and just invited participants to, to respond to the the subject matter of identity and how how people construct, negotiate, realize, manifest identity, which is uh, you know slightly broad, I guess. So, how um how did you come to the to the brief, and how did you find yourself responding to it? I mean, I think the thing that I found really interesting about the brief was this idea of how you where it kind of meets, you know, like your internal identity and how the world kind of sees you. And so the the places that I thought about in my life was I've done a lot of work in like the corporate world, in, in offices, in sort of marketing. I'm not talking like super high power finance. And I think a lot of people who've, who work in offices will have had these sort of meetings where it's kind of about diversity or about inclusivity. And, and I find as a minority, because I'm a gay man, that it's interesting to think about my identity in those sorts of places because there it really is like the external world of the other people in your workplace or the corporation as a whole is looking at you as a certain thing and that that minority part of your identity becomes really really important all of a sudden I guess when it's no more important to you in that moment than it is at any other time of the year (laughs) but when you're in these now it's time for the diversity bit that we're doing or whatever the latest kind of uh, push we're doing for diversity or inclusivity all of a sudden it's kind of on the spotlight because the rest of the corporation thinks it's necessary not necessarily because you've decided now's the time so internally you feel the same but externally you feel kind of something feels magnified or something feels different for some reason like you feel more important or or maybe less important or more othered or more included I think you can feel lots of different things depending on how those meetings go (laughs) um but that was what I just found yeah quite interesting where there's a real moment there I think where my internal identity hasn't changed but it seems like from the external I'm being seen differently or something one part of my identity is really valued suddenly I guess yeah yeah and that sort of brings us neatly to your episode minority fetish which is set in the the corporate world and that kind of like you said just then comes from from personal experience how much of Freddie the main character is is you um that's a good question I realize this is audio so the people listening didn't just hear see me do a massive grin um (laughs) Like, I think a a fair chunk, there's a healthy dose of me in Freddie, to be honest. Yeah, I always like to base characters and conversations on things that I've experienced in real life. And there's three other characters in the piece, but they're all voiced by Freddie. It's kind of Freddie's monologue, reporting what he's hearing the other people say in the meeting. And yeah, some of the things that happen in the meeting or that Freddie brings up are things that have happened to me. 
and that makes it sound if you haven't heard the episode like something really horrific happens there's no, nobody um there's no sort of homophobic slurs or or anything it just sort of takes some interesting turns I guess where Freddie starts to question to what extent they really are interested in what he thinks or to what extent he's just kind of there to tick a box and I think that's a feeling that I've had before and I think speaking to friends and colleagues who are of sort of a minority in terms of sexuality or any other type of minority have had that feeling before as well I think it's a hard thing to switch off um, in in the back of your head that you're kind of feeling like you're there to tick a box and perhaps you're being celebrated and you're not sure to what extent that's a real celebration or to what extent it's ah, now we feel like we should do this, so we're going to do it. And it's really awkward and it's not to criticise, you know, the idea of diversity and inclusivity, obviously, and it's not to um, say that it's, I think the, the, the idea behind it is positive and it's better than rampant homophobia and racism, but I still think it's nice to question where we are at right now, like what's working and what isn't working, what feels positive and what doesn't so that's why I wanted to write about this topic and I think it will be quite relatable to people who who aren't in any sort of minority like you know people who are like straight white people for example or I suppose it depends what organization you're in and where you are when you're in a majority or a minority but I think everyone has been in these sorts of conversations and knows this sort of thing and it is an awkward thing to talk about you know it's hard to have an open discussion without feeling like you're saying the wrong thing um, and you really don't want to offend anyone. And I think Freddie suffers from a bit of that as well. It's like he wants to voice some kind of criticism about this meeting, but he doesn't want to say, you know, diversity is a waste of time. And, and, and so I tried to do my best to have the three, there's sort of the head of HR is one person in the meeting and she's very much I've got the corporate script and this is what I say and I smile through it even if I don't understand really what I'm talking about and then the other three have all been called to the meeting because they are minorities in some way shape or form and they all have quite different opinions on this new sort of initiative that the um, HR person is putting forward so I wanted to try and even though it's all voiced by one person because it is about mainly Freddie's identity and, and how Freddie's negotiating how the outer world sees him compared to how he sees himself or want him to be, how they want him to be compared to how he actually is, perhaps, is another way of phrasing that. I still wanted to have some other characters voicing, you know, other thoughts, and they're probably having similar thoughts in their head, but come to completely different conclusions from those thoughts. Yeah. Does that yeah. answer the question? <laughs> yeah, he's no. based on me. Sorry, he's based on me, more or less. And it's definitely based on things I've really experienced and things I've heard colleagues say for sure. Yes. Yeah. No, definitely answered the question. Um, and I remember, I remember reading uh, the pitch when you sent it through and finding the sense of the corporate world and the whole, the HR meeting just instantly recognizable, which got me interested straight away. But that exploration of what it is to be, you know, a, a minority in a, medium to large corporation is it's so relevant but then there's also this like you say like a really interesting interplay between what is you know highly personal and complex that being you know your identity 
and or your minority status, so to speak, but existing or being boxed into this sort of benign, almost two-dimensional corporate world. There's sort of a, a really interesting interplay or juxtaposition there. So with the having that corporate setting, what did you want to achieve with that? I guess, I mean, I like things that are funny. Everything I write is, is there's always a healthy dash of humour. Even if I'm trying to write something really serious, it always gets some humour creeping in. And this one is, you know, I wanted it to be a comedy in a lot of places anyway. And I just think the corporate world is a great place for that awkward, awkward pause. You know, it's awkward relationships that you have with your colleagues, isn't it? Because you haven't chosen them. You're all being paid to be together. I mean, admittedly, this is, I guess, set before coronavirus. They are sitting physically together in a meeting room. But you, you and you spend so much time with these people, but they're, they're not, of course, they can become friends, but for the most part, they're not your real, real friends. And you do have a certain professional persona as well that makes these conversations even more awkward. You know, it's even harder to have these conversations with your colleagues than it is with your friends, I think. And so I think that's why I wanted to set it in the corporate world is for the humour of, yeah, the awkward pauses, the kind of the HR manager who's full of good, you know, good intentions, but doesn't really know what they're talking about and is absolutely petrified that somebody might question them (laughs) because they haven't really got any answer that goes off the script they've been given. You know, I guess a bit like the office, you know, that mm. kind of, but I, I, you know, the HR manager is not quite as ridiculous as David Brent, but that, that familiarity that came with the office, no matter how ridiculous it was of just like, oh, God, you know, are we really all here doing this thing? Does anybody, does anybody here actually know what they're talking about, I guess? And who's, yeah. who's <laughs> no, and why should we know as well? Like what, mm. why should one of us have the answer to this diversity problem that the corporation have put out there and and does do they does anyone know why they've put it out there does anyone know why they think it's a problem like what you know has anyone really thought too hard about this before just Mm. going into it and now we're all here you know the poor out I think at the end of the at the end of the piece hopefully you feel quite sorry for everyone there they're all sitting in this meeting none of them really know why and it's not their fault and it's all with good intentions but ultimately they, they, they haven't got an answer to anything and and the answer ultimately is they kind of just have to plow on regardless and that's what the work is like quite often so I think there's some real humor in that and um yeah that's why that's why I wanted to set it there really for the for the lulls and for the <laughs> rec- recognizability of it if that's a word yeah oh definitely and I yeah you, there's definitely a lot of humor that could come with the corporate world and also the HR meeting, it's just perfect for it. But there is, I, you know, looking at this, this broad idea of identity and if, if we were to start interrogating our own personal identities and who we might be our true selves with or who we might bear our souls to, like you say, it's not your professional colleagues at all. But you do spend so much of your time with them, like so much of our sort of physical time can end up being with with colleagues and people at work as opposed to friends or family or partners, maybe not entirely, but, you know, there is then this really interesting case to be made of how to explore identity in those more superficial settings or settings where you feel like you aren't actually being seen for your full self, but for a particular part of yourself. Yeah. And also I think, 
at work I mean depending on how much you perhaps care about your work and what sort of work you do but I think most people in their job they they want to be respected you know for the work that they're doing and not for other reasons and they don't so it's hard you want to be able to talk about things and express your opinion about things but you and this is something that Freddie goes through in the meeting at the start where he's thinking should I voice this Mm. thought or should I not because you don't want to be tarred with a brush of like the sort of the difficult one or the militant one or the never satisfied with the way it's being done one you know because ultimately you don't want that I think most people they don't want that to take over from or, or become more important in how people see them than being good at their job you know that, that that's why they're there ultimately So no matter how passionately you might feel about some things that you feel within your identity that you'd like other people to know because it would help you in in your job and you also think perhaps you have some kind of duty to other people that it might help others, I think a lot of people have this difficulty of letting that out because ultimately they still want their professional persona to be untarnished by that because Mm. that that is why they're there. They're there to do a job and they're hopefully good at their job regardless and that's something that you know there's a couple of moments in there there's one based on a gay pride march that the company joining and that's based on a very real experience of mine where you something happens during that day that really rubs freddie up the wrong way and makes freddie really upset actually Mm. but he really struggles to say it and he didn't say it and he's kept it in it happened like I don't know if it's called out explicitly in the episode but let's say it happened a few months previously he didn't say anything and then it all kind of pours out in this meeting but he didn't want to say anything because he doesn't want to he doesn't want to look like the one who's always complaining about things um and he doesn't want that to take over from his job and there's another mention in there which is something that a friend said to me who works in a big corporate world where she got an email saying like, oh, congratulations, you've been selected as one of the most promising female blah, blahs, you know, in your department or in your region or whatever, you know, now you're going to come to these like training sessions. And she said, you know, I was in two minds how to feel about that because in some ways I'm really happy that they're doing things to push women in the workplace. But in other ways, I don't really want an email to say I'm one of the most promising women. I want to be one of the most promising people Mm. in the workplace. Like it's a hard um thing but you know she didn't complain you know you you know and she didn't want to complain she wasn't saying it was a bad thing but it did give her complicated you know reaction that you don't really want to express because you don't want to look difficult or ungrateful or militant or Mm. so yeah the corporate world is is a really difficult place I, I guess there's something about your friends where if you voice difficult opinions on things and they disagreed or they didn't understand them, you've got a good enough friendship basis that you wouldn't, you know, they understand more about you and it wouldn't change your friendship. Whereas in the corporate world, perhaps people know less about you and you could, it could maybe, you feel it could tarnish your overall reputation, maybe more than, more Mm. than you want to it doing it. Maybe that's just me, but yeah, no, I think I think that's completely right. And I think, yeah, what happens in the episode without giving anything away kind of, it does point to what you were saying earlier of just this is the time to be having these conversations, like opening them up a bit. And it's it's sort of 
is frustrating and, you know, sort of unfair in a sense that those conversations or the responsibility of having those conversations feels like it lands on the shoulders of the people who are not in the position of power. Mm. And, you know, and then at the same time, I, I really like how in the episode, you know, you don't come to a singular conclusion. There's just a, a sort of sense of, you know, people, people have different views about things, but then also, you know, has pro- progress actually been made through that and it's it leaves it leaves people in a really an interesting position which with a lot of food for thought which I think is really important yeah I mean when I was actually writing the end it it did actually make me think I think there's a line there something like and it sounds so obvious but I mean that's what diversity is in a way you bring in lots of people into a room of different you just bring lots of different people into a room and you're likely to have lots of different opinions that there that is part of diversity there's no right or wrong answer um well there might be some wrong answers but there's no singular <laughs> right answer, you know which I think you can map out this might be one little meeting in one um little office but you can map that out to all sorts of places where you know we're just such a divided world such a polarized world mm. you would think you know if you look at something like twitter but you know it's not, it's not true we're just loads of different people and you overlap and agree on opinions on all sorts of things and disagree on others and you know it's not that all gay people think this and that's the way things should be done it's not that all black people think this or all um muslim people think this or all women think this you know whatever the different mm-hmm. sort of voices that you think you you think i think people who aren't in one group they feel like they hear one monolithic voice from this group sometimes they hear one or two people say something and they think then they over index some kind of like oh well they're all saying this but I don't agree and therefore I don't agree with that whole movement or that whole idea and it's like well it's not as simple as that you have way more in common with lots of these people than you think you might you know it's but you know I think politicians, for example, and the media, they're happy that it goes that way because it gives makes people more outraged and they are more like they can play on that and use that to get people to vote for them or get people to click on their rubbish news articles. <laughs> so that's not what the piece is about. But, you know, there is something there. Where it's like, ultimately, we're all different people and sort of looking for this one solution that is going to make everybody happy is not probably achievable. And that's okay mm. if you feel that you can voice openly how you feel about things. But if you can't, then it's less okay because then you will wind up with a solution that isn't really working and nobody's willing to say anything. So it, it's having that kind of open forum that mm. is really into and really not judging that person afterwards and letting them change their mind, you know, letting them voice something and then say, actually, that isn't, I think that wasn't the right solution actually or that what you know sort of workshopping things rather than coming with us with a solution from above and telling people this is what we're doing and isn't that great and you kind of feel at that point you have to say yeah it's great because you should be grateful that you've got anything but that that feels like it's quite often the way it's done which puts a lot of pressure on like you know the poor HR manager that has to deliver the news as well like it's not (laughs) It is funny. I want to, because people are probably thinking, do I want to really listen to this thing? It's funny. You know, they've hired a diversity inclusion. They're about to hire a diversity and inclusion champion, is it, or something? Yes. Something like that, or chief something, which Mm. is D-A-I-C. So the head of HR manager is already shortening it to the dyke. 
if the if the um if the job title without realizing that dyke is maybe not the best thing to be using to refer to a colleague as um Indeed. But, even though it's so it's that ridiculous and that is not true i haven't exactly had that happen before um but there's a lot of humor and and but also freddie sort of wants to laugh a few times i think but can't really quite do it because you know he wants to take the topic seriously so Yes, but there is definitely uh, plenty, plenty of humour, plenty of relatable humour, I think, for people. And that, like, just as something, I guess, to finish on is just, I love, I love where Freddie goes in his head, you know, in, in, again, in contrast to the sort of benign, fairly superficial dialogue that has to happen within, within the meeting or everyone trying to sort of put their their meeting face on and then Freddie in his head he you know he's he's relatable and he's funny and he's confused and he's questioning himself but he's also challenging what's happening in front of him and and just very relatable in that sense and then you know again not to give anything away but but towards the end he goes to this really you know poetic dynamic place that really brings to life the complexity of of just sort of identity I guess or or what how he sees himself how others see him and and he really gives himself in that moment the center stage and just because in the in the piece he refers to sort of being at a level two most of the time and dare he take it to a five but this feels like him being a, a 10 why was that moment important to you for the story um I mean I wanted I don't know if this is ever I, I don't think it's ever happened for me for real in an office environment, but perhaps <laughs> I wish it had where, you know, what one of these meetings, at least if the sort of the final decision is still not some kind of perfect utopia, because I don't think that's, you know, it's not possible. And I wouldn't expect that of a little marketing office, um, but that, you know, at least for Freddie, it could push him to learn a bit more about himself and to delve a bit more into the complexity of what it means to be himself and what it means to be a minority and why it means so much to him in a way because it is important and and I think again lots of different people in different minorities every individual will have a different personal journey with their own identity but I think I think probably quite a lot of people in minorities they they feel like they don't want it to be the most important part of them it's like it's just one part of me there's so many parts of me but there is it is a significantly large part of your identity often I think because which I don't know if that is partly because it stands out to the external world that it is you know Freddie's let's say Freddie's a sort of gay guy like me that you can tell that he's gay for example from his voice perhaps you knew you would, you would infer that he was gay without him sort of coming out all the time so it is reacted to by the external world as as if it is the biggest part of your identity because it's the bit that stands out and so then perhaps that makes it become a more important part of your internal identity and particularly with I can't speak for others but if you're gay you know you're coming out you're going through these stages and and of accepting yourself but perhaps other people around you have worked it out quicker than you or are sort of teasing you for it or whatever is going on you know you've got a real kind of complex there about it I think and yeah I wanted that bit at the end just a bit of time for him to delve into that and think about why why it's so important and 
why he um why you know although he's although there's a multifaceted identity within him this part of his identity still sort of pervades as the most important part quite often both externally and internally yeah just to explore that a little bit and I yeah I just like that he he's got a bit of poetry in him because I don't think you would have thought that from the start you know he's quite mm. sort of he's got some gags um and he's got some kind of slightly hapless energy I think that sort of feeling where you say something in a meeting and then you want to take it back immediately like I can't quite believe I've said that then he's back in his <laughs> own head can't believe I did I really say that out loud what what do I where do I go from here like he feels a bit lost and not very confident in talking about this topic so I liked a bit at the end where all of a sudden he kind of found his own and and sort of surprised the listener hopefully by having quite a I wouldn't say not too profound but a more poetic eloquent let's say a more eloquent moment to talk about his his own identity yeah exactly I think that's a perfect moment to to end on thank you so much Mark thank you for having me and thank you for um letting me be part of the project it's it's been so great to work on and I hope everyone enjoys listening to them I can't wait to hear the rest as well they sound amazing absolutely stoked to have you part of this crazy little project thank you Minority Fetish is episode one of Make Me and is available now on Spotify. Mark Daniels writes for the stage, screen and radio and you can follow him on Twitter at MarkDaniels55. You can find more details about Mark, Minority Fetish and Make Me on Flugelman Productions socials at underscore Flugelman or website www.flugelman.com. Thanks for listening.